Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, today we continue with our series that we've been in for the last several weeks. We've only got one more week left of questions that need answering. Uh, we've been addressing a series of questions that deal with our personal response to the events and activities and things in the world around us. And to help us to get a biblical uh, guidelines and answers to some uh, nagging questions that uh, many times we sort of keep beneath the surface surface because we're just a little afraid to talk about it, thinking, well, it's not spiritual enough, or I should have that under control. But there are issues that we all deal with. Uh, so I, I hope you've been enjoying this series and get some good feedback on it. But to set up today's question, I'll tell you a brief little story. Both the stories I have today about airplanes, not that I'm looking to go into airplanes, like we just happen to be airplanes today. There was a businessman who was going on a trip, and so he went to the airport and uh, had a little time, so he walked to the window and looked out, and he saw the plane that he was fixing aboard, but then he saw something a little troubling. Just above the horizon, he saw some ominous, dark clouds, and they started rolling in, the rain, the thunder, and lightning, and hail, and he started to get a little worry and fear well up with inside him. So he, he kind of stepped, took a step away and walked a little distance. He came across a kiosk that had on it traveler's life insurance, $3. So he looked at it, $100,000 policy while he fly for $3. So he looked at those clouds, thought about his wife and kids, hey, it's worth three bucks. They put it in there, took the insurance, put it in his pocket, feeling a little better, until he went to a restaurant, sat down and eat. This happened to be a Chinese restaurant. Now, there's nothing wrong with Chinese restaurants. I like them. But at the end, normally you get a little fortune cookie. But he got that fortune cookie, he opened it up, and to his dismay, it said, your recent investment will pay big dividends soon. <laughs> well, if, if, he, if he would have met me or some other pastor or uh, Christian that he know of, he probably would have asked, asked this question. How can I get victory over worry and fear? Worry and fear is something that we all uh, face, just like last week's anger, the week before that guilt, and before that uh, the problems and the trials that we face. How can we get victory over this? Now I use the word victory because we're not talking about avoiding all these things. You're not, as a Christian, if you think that you get saved and God's just going to put this special bubble around you and you no more fears, worries, or anger, or temptation, you're in for a sad awakening. That is not the way it works. He never promised that. He said he would protect us and guide us, but he didn't say that we would never face it. Actually, he said we would face trials and tribulations. And the, the thing is that the Spirit lives within us to strengthen us so that we can go through this, gain victory over it, so that we can then be a witness to somebody else and say, I made it through, you can too. So with that in mind, uh, today we're going to be addressing this topic of victory over worry and fear. Unfortunately, a lot of people use things other than uh, Christ and, and, and prayer to 
compass that. And they, the fears and the struggles that come up, worry, it seems to be the go-to. Sort of like this little cartoon here. You see the counselor here, she says, you worry too much. It doesn't do any good. But the guy on the couch said, it does for me. 95% of the things I worry about never happen. Now, there may be a correlation between that, but there's no causation. You know, if you do uh, uh, studies, clinical exams, you know, there are things that you can draw correlations on that just happen to happen. But a causation, worry, does, does not bring about answers to your problems. It's just actually the opposite. So we need to stay away from that in all cases. So how then can we truly get victory? Let's focus on that word victory. And I'm going to give you up front, just in case some of you stayed up too late last night or you're a little tired this morning and you want to take a nap. Get these next two slides and you're, that's the sermon pretty much. And then you can go take a nap. All right. How can I get worried over fear? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sin? The sin of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the what? Victory. victory through what? Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So just to put it up front, just in case I lose you uh, for the rest of the service or intermittent, it's victory through Jesus. I know that sounds a little trite, a little religious expression, but it's the truth. It's the truth if we do that. And so the key idea here is don't worry and do not fear. All right, you can go ahead and take a nap now. But the rest of you who are interested in, in kind of dealing with this a little bit more, Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. If you will take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. It's also in your insert. If you open it up and then flip it down, actually close in this and this, and you'll see it right there on the center. So if you want to open it up there, you can follow along with that as well. But Matthew chapter 6. Now I'm going to quiz you a little bit. In this passage, which is from the Sermon on the Mount, the word worry is the focus. Can you guess how many times? Man, you're brilliant. Man, I knew he was a deacon for some reason. But, uh, oh, I got it up there, don't I? Anyway, uh, six times in this passage. So it's obvious that it is a key aspect. So if you would, let's stand together in honor of God's word as I read this passage. Matthew 6, 25-34. This is Jesus saying, Therefore, I tell you, don't, number one, worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you, about your body, what you shall wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field, how they grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he be much more for you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry. Say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This verse you should know. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. 
because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Maybe see. So I think you get the point here that Jesus is very clear that worrying is not, is not to be uh, an adequate and a- accurate exposure of the Christian. That's not what we should be. Now, it doesn't mean we don't worry. I'm sure all of us here have worried. Maybe you're worried about something now. But God says that's not where you should be. That's not what he wants from that. Now, the word worry, you need to kind of clarify a little bit. In the English language, worry almost 100% of the time is negative. You know, it's problematic. But that's why it's good to kind of look in the, uh, back into the Greek. You don't have to know Greek. You can take English study tools and it will describe those things. But the Greek word, which is merimnao, you'll see right here in English, merimnao, uh, is, the, is the Greek word. It's used 19 times in the New Testament. One time is it positive. 18 times is negative. In the Greek, it can mean both things. It's number one, it's as opposed to the part drawing different directions to go to pieces. It's really being pulled apart. Two different things. Uh, it's an overt for word anxiety to be divided, distracted. And then you'll see here positively, it's used one time. Uh, well, it says two verses here, but uh, is used on effectively distributing concern in proper relation to the whole picture. So, just like with anger, there was proper anger and improper anger. There was good guilt and bad guilt. Well, there is constructive worry or really constructive concern, and then there is destructive. And let me give you just a quick little chart here to kind of show you the difference. By the way, just in case you're wondering, constructive concern is where we should be, <coughs> not on the left. But unfortunately, many of us, destructive, on this side you see it paralyzes, while this motivates. Destructive decreases creativity, while concern increases it. It prevents an issue over here, but then it promotes it here. It results in anxious spreading, but constructive results in calm focusing. Destructive worry attempts to control the future, while constructive attempts to improve the future. It fears the worst on this side, but then hopes for the best here. It appears negative to others, and it appears positive on the constructive side. And then, destructive distracts the mind from what is important, while constructive directs the mind to what is important. And two little scenarios, two sentences that kind of summarize Destructive worry, a person would say, I'm so worried that my child might, might drown that I'm never going to let her anywhere near the water. Well, the same issue on the constructive side says, I'm so concerned that my child can't swim that I've made arrangements to give her swimming lessons. So you see the difference. Worry can be that constructive focus of concern where you can focus your attention. But the the reason that you focus attention is so that you can then allow God to give you wisdom, guidance to address a topic or problem. Rather than just turning over and over and over and worrying, well, what this, what about this, what about that? Just say, God, what do you want me to do about this issue? So keep that in mind. And it helps if you have the proper belief system. Remember, in the first of the year, I did the series Firm Foundation, where we looked at some key foundational doctrinal thoughts and beliefs and teachings that you need to know. And if they're in your foundation, then it's going to help you with these issues. And one of these is this one. Over on the right-hand side, you see this. It says, If you believe God is creator, then you shall also believe that he is what? Sustainer. So if you believe, which I hope all of you do, which I do, and that's the stance of our church, that God created all things, 
and he has a plan and direction for that. And he holds it into place and sustains it. So if we have that in mind, it should cause us to realize that we can look at nature around us and see his hand. The sun comes up every day. Gravity holds us on. As I've said before, I really like gravity. You know, it, it's all these things, oxygen, all these things consistent. God is consistent. And this little poem on the right is called Overheard in the Orchard. It kind of summarizes and a little bit of a sting to us. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Jesus very clearly said he cares for the birds, cares for the flowers. And if he cares for that, don't you know he obviously cares for us, and that he can take care of us? But you've got to know that, number one. You've got to believe that, number two. And then you've got to act upon that and keep it up. But the problem is we have a tendency to worry so. So let me give you a few just negatives and, uh, and, and definitions of worry so you can make sure you can avoid it. Worry is an old man with bended head carrying a load of feathers which he thinks is lead. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worry is the misuse of God-given imagination. Worry is putting a question mark where God has put a period. Worry, and this is a troubling one, can be seen as a form of atheism because it assumes there's no God watching over us and caring for us. To worry is to divide your mind between that which is useful and worthwhile and that which is damaging and constructive. God wants us to be constructive in our concern and focus, not to worry. The bottom line, according to the book I read by David Jeremiah, is from God's eternal perspective, worry is inconsistent, irrational, ineffective, illogical, and irresponsible. I don't think any of us wants to have those words describing us. But that's what worry, when we let worry take over in our life, that's the impression that it gives to other people that are actually thinking about things. You know, everybody else may be worried. They may just say, oh, it's just normal. But this is not. So we encourage you uh, to, to keep that in mind on the focus on that. So remember the key phrase here, don't worry, but also do not, be a, do not fear. Now, why am I bringing fear into this issue? Because I believe that worry is born out of fear. Worry is just really the symptom. So I wanted to start with the symptom, but we need to get down to the, the real issue here. And it's fear, which is really a lack of trust in God. Now, fear does have two aspects, too. There is a Normal fear and an abnormal fear. Normal fear is the word that we use in response that says, you know, fear the Lord your God, for he is mighty in power. That word, actually, a few other English words would help in that. All, respect, and submission. That's the term that, that fear in that context uses. In today's world, we don't have very many positive elements of fear, just like worry. We've pretty much taken all the negative. 
But there is a, 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 a normal fear in that we recognize that God created all things. He is all-powerful and that he can do anything that he wants. And he has full control over our lives. So it should cause us to think, number one, reverence and awe and respect for such a great God. But it also should cause us to have just a little bit of healthy fear that if we step out of line, God, we can step out of line of God's blessings. And that there is punishment for, for sin. Even for Christians, there is punishment here on this earth. There's consequences. So, let's keep those things in mind about fear. But let me, let me give you a few, just like I did with worry. Fear, on the definition side, is a strong emotional reaction to a perceived imminent danger, which is usually characterized by three things, fight, flight, or freeze. Fear can be real or imagined, rational or irrational, normal or abnormal. Fear acts as a protective reaction, normal fear that is, placed in us by our creator to activate all our physical defense systems when we face real danger. Fear triggers the release of adrenaline in the body and both prepares and propels us not to freeze, but to either flight or fight. It's a natural emotion designed by God. But that's the norm. But if we step outside of that, if we take our eyes off of God and off his power, and we begin to focus on the problem or the imminent danger in front of us. Fear what overwhelms us. Because down deep we all realize that we're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have enough weapons and protection around us to keep all danger away. The sad issue up in Pittsburgh with the uh, so many killed at the Jewish synagogue. And you can name me all different places. It could happen anywhere. But we can gain victory over worry and its root cause, fear, if we understand fully who God is, trust in him, and then live and act based upon that. So let me finish up with just a few brief points and steps, and they're very uh, simple. Number one, take your worries and fears to the Lord in prayer. Now, you probably know that already. You've probably known that most of your life. But the issue is we're not doing it. And we know it up here. But we're really not taking all our words. When something comes up, an issue, prayer should not be the last resort. It should be the first response. And that's where we need to focus on. Now, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a powerful verse, and you could, we could talk about that most of the day. We're not, but uh, rejoice. The Lord is near. So don't worry, but through prayer and thanksgiving, Grant your request, and then the peace of God will guard you. That's clear, straightforward. You can't get any more foundational than that. But you have to read it, 
know it and believe it, and then trust it. A couple of old hymns came to mind as I was thinking about this. One of them you may not be too familiar with, but Blind Willie Johnson uh, used to sing this old chorus. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there, oh, leave it there. If you'll trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Now, most all of you, you've been in church long, will know William Scriven's hymn, which goes like this. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Simple, elementary, you know it, but are you doing it? If you're not, then you're not going to have victory over worry, over fear. You've got to take it to the Lord. Now, secondly, and the second one could actually uh, be first, it's, but they're sort of neck and neck, they tie together. Choose to place your trust in God. So, you take your worries to the Lord, and then you leave it there and trust that he is going to deal with it. That he'll give you the wisdom, the insight, direction on what to do to care for that. So, a few verses here. Do a little quick power washing of verses. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. So, it's obviously we're going to go through the dark valleys. Whether you're a good Christian or a bad Christian, or lost, you're going to go through valleys of darkness and despair. But we're not to fear because God is with us. He will strengthen us and uphold us. You've got to know this. You've got to believe this. You've got to act upon it. And then a few more. When I'm afraid, Psalm 56.3, I put my trust in you. In God, I put my trust. I will not be. This is the verse where our national motto, in God we trust, is based off of. Psalm 112.7. They, those who trust in the Lord, will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So again, just like the dark valleys, bad news is going to come. You're going to get bad news. Whether you do everything perfect. And you're next to Jesus in everything you do. Jesus had issues. He had problems. He had trials. You're going to hear bad news. It's going to come. So be prepared and, and trust in the Lord and you'll have a steadfast heart. Isaiah 26.3, I like this one. You, O Lord, will keep in perfect peace the person whose mind is fixed on you. Too many times when problems or issues come up, we begin to look at it and try to address it and say, how can I fix this? That's one of the worst things to do. Because that problem just takes your whole frame of view. Lift your eyes up to God and fix your eyes on God, the author effect of all things, the source of strength. And then that problem shrinks inside in proportion to the greatness of our God. But you have to make that choice. And then Romans 8, 28, I've used this for the last three weeks. It's made four in a row. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. If you know, if you believe that, then whatever pain you're going through right now, whatever loss, whatever fear or worry or concern, whatever it is you're going through now, realize that God is with you. He is walking with you hand in hand. 
And he's either going to walk you through that victoriously or he's going to wipe it away, one of the two. But it's his choice, not ours. Our choice is to trust him no matter what. Well, let me give you the, the second little airplane story. There was a, a pastor and a, a counselor sitting on an airplane going to a, a preacher's conference. Next to him was, just happened to be a, a little girl. He didn't know who it was, about 10 years old. And on the flight, they hit some turbulence. And, I mean, severe turbulence. They were just tossing up and down and all the way. Everybody was, was afraid. And there was a lot of worry going on. But in the midst of this, he looked down at the little girl, and she was still just reading a book and coloring. Never a worry at all. It just really hit him. But finally, after they were walking out, walking down uh, into the airport, he just couldn't help himself. And he stepped up to the little girl, and it says, Young lady, why was it that while the rest of the plane was so worried and so fearful that you were so calm? Well, about that time, her father walked up, and she said, oh, my daddy was the pilot. He said that I would make, he would bring me home safe and sound. Well, your father is the pilot, and he's got it under control. So whatever, wherever destination you're going to go to, he is going to guide you there. You trust in him and believe in him. And then the last point, focus on the truth of God and not the lies of worry and fear. Satan is the father of lies. And one of his chief tools is worry and fear. And also one of his tools is to drive us, provoke us to anger and to feel unhealthy guilt. And to, when problems and trials come, to doubt God's love and trust. That's his way. He lies. He's a liar. And we must realize that we must counter those lies. Because he's pumping it. People of the world are pumping it to you. Unfortunately, sometimes people around us tell us things that aren't truthful. And sometimes your own mind, some part of your mind, your brain that is not quite under the control of the Holy Spirit, it holds on to those worries and fears and doubts and keeps bringing it back up and says, you're not worthy, you're that, you're not beautiful, you're not this, you're not that. You've, you've sinned too much. You, you can't be forgiven. Well, we must replace those thoughts. And one of the key things is, in our world today, we're pumped with so many negative but also sexual images that it's sometimes hard to keep those images and those thoughts under control. They're going to keep coming. And if you try to deal with them with your own steps and your own self-will, you are going to find yourself captive to those thoughts. The only way to do that is to replace them, push them out, and fill them with truth. That's the only way to deal with lies and falsehoods. You've got to push them out and fill it with truth. You know, flush it out. These verses here, Romans 4, 8 through 9, talks about how we are to think on that which is true, honorable, and just, and pure, and lovely, and good repute, whatever is worthy of praise. Think on these things. Fix your mind on these things. On the truth. And John 14, 1 and 3, Jesus says... Do not be afraid. Do not be concerned. Because I am with you. And my peace that I give, I will give unto you. Not as the world gives peace, but my peace I give unto you. First John 4 talks about how perfect love casts out fear. That's truth. Perfect love does not compute with, truth, with untruth. 
Romans 8, 37 through 9 talks about how we are to have understanding that no matter what comes our way, life, death, angels, principalities, good things, bad things, whatever it is, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. So keeping those things in mind. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, 57 is what I started the service with. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Events, episodes, and situations are going to come up. Bad news is going to come. Difficulties. People are going to let you down. But if we will play, focus our eyes on God and let the love of Jesus flow in us and focus on that and replace the lies that the devil tries to give us. See, John 8, 44 says, there is no truth in him, and that's the devil. For he is a liar and the father of lies. We must come to the, that fact and that certainty that we will not listen to the devil and the lies of this world and even what people are saying around us, even about us. Listen to what God says, because that's what matters. Because Satan is going to come after you. He is going to try to seek, hurt you, and tell you lies. Amen. You believe that? Amen. We must put our trust in God and overcome all the lies that the world and our own selves and others say about us. There's truth. God loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be free from anger and guilt. He wants us to be have victory over worry and fear. We're just trusting. See, it's up to you. It's your choice. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.